Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hello, improvisers. This is episode eight, and it is October 15th, 2021, as I record this. We're going to get to our interview with Louise and Akeen in just a minute. But first, guess what I did last night? I'll give you a hint. As an improviser and student of Synergy Theater, I've been looking forward to it for two years. That's right. I went to Synergy Theater's first in-person show since the pandemic began at the Lesher Center for the Arts in Walnut Creek, California. It was great. I saw my Synergy friends out of the box. I got there early because I wanted to soak up the atmosphere. I talked to the volunteer ushers, the snack bar attendant, and my new friend, Jeremiah, a longtime ticketing agent at the Lesher. I spoke to Jeremiah as he sat behind the ticketing window. You'll hear us talking to each other through our masks, and you'll hear some cars going by outside and people and music in the background. Here's what Jeremiah had to say when I asked him what it was like to be back. I'm Jeremiah Vierling. I've been here just under 11 years, and uh, you know, actually, I never went away. <laughs> I've been here the whole time, uh, you know, helping patrons navigate their refunds and canceled performances. But then now we're on the other side of it, and they get to come back and get to celebrate those joys and happinesses of seeing live theater. People are so excited. So, what has been the reaction of the staff? your fellow co-workers yeah. in coming back. What's that been like? For sure. Like, um, I, I think just being in the arts, we're very lucky and very fortunate to have the mindset of helping mankind. And it's been just tremendous wanting to come back and help and just be a part of the experience. We did have some furloughs in the city and the Lesher Center. And just being able to have everyone back home, it's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. And what's been your impression of the performers coming back? Gosh, you know, I don't have a lot of contact with the performers, but I have a lot of contact with the producers of the show, and they are just over the moon to be back and just optimistic and just ready. Because, uh, you know, when this all started, it was just two weeks. Oh, just two weeks. Just two weeks, and we'll be back. And it's just been a long road and uh, a lot of um, dreams that had to break, but here we are rebuilding, so... What kind of dreams? Just dreams of shows? That yeah, are dreams of shows. And, you know, because we, we plan like a year and a half, two years in advance. And uh, at some points there were people that were like, well, since we just don't know, we will contact you when we do know. And that's not the mindset that we've had. You know, we've always had people like, can I get a date? Can I get this date? And now we just have to assure people it's okay. You can come back. You can present your show. It's safe. So what what is your hope now? Gosh, um, to get back to normal. <laughs> That's my hope. Yeah. I want to I want to get back to the days like we were before it all happens and just be that well-oiled machine yeah. and not have to worry about all of these new mandates and new rules and changes and mm-hmm. um, just get back to being happy with everyone. Yeah. You know, like enjoying the space. 
What will you take forward? Just infinite patience. Like, uh, everyone is coming forward with their best intentions and just being mindful of that. Wonderful. What I realized after talking to Jeremiah was that the level of support that a show or an artist receives makes all the difference. And especially now, in this time of transition, I am so grateful for Jeremiah and his team at the Lesher, and for those like them who work behind the scenes to bridge the gap between audiences and performers. Louise Ritchie and her son Akin are both in theater, but on two sides. Louise is an improv performer. Akin is a technical director. Technical directors, I learned, manage anything from lighting and set design to equipment maintenance and often have their hands on numerous aspects of production. We begin with Louise, and Akin joins us a bit later. We recorded this interview June 14th, 2021. So, Louise Ritchie, you're here. I'm here. I'm so excited to talk to you, and you look beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. And I'm going to dive right in. This is a question I've been wanting to ask you actually for a long time. So really this podcast is just an excuse to talk to you and ask you all these questions. How did you find improv? I found it through my son, Akeen, who was a a freshman in college and during his December break, he decided to take improv for leadership. And when he got the book, he said, mom, you're going to like this book. Take a look at this book. And it was one of Keith Johnstone's books. And in it was information about Wilfred Bion, who was a psychoanalyst that next to no one has heard about. But when I was in my doctoral program, we all had to learn about Wilfred Bion and his view of psychoanalytic psychology, which was that you look at groups as if they are people and you can see the psychodynamics of a group. And so I got really involved in that. I'd been a facilitator in some group conferences like that. But when I saw the book, it was like, oh, this is so cool. And then totally by coincidence, a theater company that I hadn't yet joined, because I had been thinking about getting in the theater, and I, I talked to this theater company, and anybody could join. You didn't need any experience. Anybody could be on stage. Everything was written. Um, in-house, and it's like sketch comedies based on current events and things. They had a free course in improvisation that was taught by somebody who had taken Keith Johnstone's courses several times. So actually, I started taking that when my son started taking his class. And I, I had never done acting before, really. I ended up you know, getting in the theater company. I took the improv class. My son, who had went to college, had no plans of going into theater, ended up staying in the theater, doing particularly long form improv. And I ended up you know, doing a little improv because there wasn't very much in Tallahassee, Florida when I was there. But the first long form improv I saw, which was basically the first improv I saw, was my son in college when he was theater tech of long form Greek tragedies. So that was my intro, but I didn't get to do very much again until quarantine last March when I had nothing to do. I was used to being outside all the time doing things here in Mexico where I live. 
and there was nothing to do. I was horribly depressed. Somebody here in Mexico was thinking about doing improv online. And so I started looking it up and I found Synergy. And since then I've taken maybe 15 classes with Ken, but I've also taken overall more than 600 hours since last March. I love the connection you get with other people. And when it's like groupthink, you know, when you just are in flow with your scene partners and everybody's contributing and you don't know where the story's gonna go, you don't know what's happening, but everybody is, is contributing and you're so connected, that is such a rush for me. So that's what keeps me coming back. I'm always looking for that wonderful high that occasionally comes through improv. Now, you have performed with Synergy Theater. What was that, for lack of a better word, onboarding process like? What was it like meeting the other players and getting in sync with them and, and playing with them? It was really frightening because until last spring, when I started the online improv, I had only done level one improv. I didn't even know there were other levels. And when I took my first Synergy class, which was last July, I jumped in, I figured, well, I'd done other things in online improv. And I thought, well, let me see if I can sneak into level three, level four. Nobody will know because I didn't know how long it was going to be available. So I was like, I'll, I'll sneak into it. And then I was scared in those levels. And then Ken invited me into the troupe and I was really honestly terrified. And when I looked at the troupe, the first time, I thought, oh my God, I think he's made a big mistake because <laughs> everybody was so good. So I was just terrified thinking any second they're going to say, we've made a big mistake, go away. Yeah. So yeah, but I was so impressed by the Synergy Troop and I've been so impressed by Ken who, because I take classes around the world online, he is one of the best teachers out there. And he's known, I know, locally in California, but people around the world who are some of the best improv teachers too, quote the story spine. They may not know it came from Ken. They, a lot of times it was taught to them by somebody else. A lot of people have read his books and now a lot of people from Europe and Asia because he's available online, they are taking his classes, but he's just amazing. Well, he definitely didn't make any kind of mistake in asking you to join as a performer. What do you attribute your success to? I think the fact that, seriously speaking, I've had a lot of therapy because I used to be a really, really shy child. I was incredibly shy. I didn't have great social skills because we lived in an area where there weren't other kids around and the kids across the street were racist. Their family was racist, so we didn't play with them. So I and my parents were older and they didn't really play. And my brother was schizophrenic, so his play was sort of weird. So I grew up not really knowing how to play and having to look at other people to sort of figure out how to fit in and therapy help and my not wanting to be shy forever that's what got me i guess ready to try something like improv once i turned 50 also i thought half my life is over i don't want to go to my grave without trying some things and i thought even if i make a fool of myself in acting i still want to try it my goal was 
with Tallahassee Little Theater, which was the main theater in Tallahassee. I wanted to have any part, even if I just walked across the stage, that was my bucket list, you know, which I, I did manage to do. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, I, I think you made reference to a doctoral program that you were in? Can you? Yeah, oh, I have a doctorate in clinical psychology. I was a psychologist for about five years until I burned out. I've had a lot of careers. I sort of get bored with things easily. And that's another reason why improv is so much fun, because unlike scripted theater, where you have to do the same thing every night. And I have to say, I've been in shows where you know, I had to do it maybe 10 times. By the end, I was sick of doing it. I don't know how professional actors do it, where they have to do it for a year or two. That would drive me nuts. I love improv because it's always different. Yes. So your experience as a therapist, do you think that helps you as well? I think that the, the psychology training helps because if I'm in a character, I can figure out a lot of times why I'm doing things, what my history might be. And I notice that a lot of people don't do that, but it's very natural to me to think of, oh, I'm acting this way or my scene partner is acting that way. It must be because of X. So then, I, then I'll make up in my head, you know, a story about X. And so I become that person. It's a lot easier for me to create characters and even think about the changes that people go through in their lifetime or their relationships, because I do have the background in psychology. A lot of people just don't understand personality and why people behave the way they behave. Okay. So this scene is from A Novel Approach, an improvised work of fiction. The show streamed live on Synergy Theater's YouTube channel, June 24th, 2021. The scene is between Louise and frequent guest performer Kat Coppett. Keep in mind as you listen, it's all improvised. Denise? Yes? This is, this is Beth. Uh, my yes. son, Bobby, came home in tears after he did your lawn because he didn't appear to do it perfect enough for you. And then he tried to take an apple from your tree and you said, no apples for you. He's just a child. He's only 13 years old. He's doing the best he can. Beth, he's 13 years old and he can't figure out that you have to mow the grass the same length in every place. Like, don't you want him to learn? He's getting money for mowing lawns. You're treating him like a tyrant. And I feel that's because of what happened between us when we were in school together. I, I beg your pardon? Look, I'm, I'm sorry, but I wasn't interested in being in a romance with you. I'm sorry. Well, that's pretty forward of you. The love notes that you used to give me? The invitation not... to the prom that I declined? Okay, no, no, no. I'm not saying that I didn't want to go out with you, Beth. We both know that I wanted to go out with you. I'm just saying you think that I wanted your son to do a good job on my lawn and that I yelled at him because he didn't because I'm still carrying a torch for you? The, the thing is that my son does lawns for virtually everybody in your neighborhood and they all say that he's the best they've ever had. You're the only one who screams at him. I mean, you're a control freak when it comes to him. Please, get a hold of yourself and get over this. 
Just put it behind. We're not you know kidding. What, you know what? I just, I think maybe he just shouldn't do my lawn anymore. And maybe we should just never talk to each other anymore. And maybe, maybe this is all just a big mistake. I'm really sorry because when you asked him to do your lawn, I thought, I thought we could finally be friends. I mean, I, I really like wait, wait, you. What? I really like you. I always wanted to be friends with you. I just didn't want to date you. Look, I'm, I'm, I, I'm going. No, 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 wait. I, no, no, please. I, could you tell him I'm really sorry? And um, I'll have Caroline bring over some apples. I'm sure I overreacted. Thanks, Denise. I really appreciate that. Have you noticed any tendencies in the choices that you make when you're building a character? I try to mix it up. So I may think I want to be low status or I want to be shy or I want to be sad or something like that going into a scene and then build it off that. But I really have a pretty wide range in characters from Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, where I was Mariah, which is the supporting actress type role, to playing crazy comedic characters too. So when you talk about how you practice improv to others, what, what do you say? Taking your mind out of it and not being self-conscious are really important because I remember the first time I went to an improv class, I was scared. I mean, I looked at all these people and they, they were playing and having fun and I felt very self-conscious. I had no idea of what to do. I felt sort of frozen, but I wanted to have the kind of fun they were having. So I would say, try to take your mind off it. You know, try not to anal analyze yourself, try not to be self-conscious and go with your first instinct because often your first instinct is what's right. But if you start thinking, is this good, is this bad or whatever, you get so in your head that it's not interesting and you don't feel good doing it. It's not play, it feels like some kind of analytical work. I agree. Are there experiences that you've had that, that you would like everyone to know about? Right now, because of the proliferation of online improv, if you wanna learn improv, dive in, don't be afraid, take classes every place you possibly can. Know that the world is yours. You can take classes from the best teachers in the world and be with the best students in the world. So I would say Google, find out what's going on. Don't worry about making a fool of yourself because people in general, especially people who are doing it online are very welcoming. And, and you can take from top teachers and they treat you well. They welcome you. They don't act like, who are you to think you can do this? I've never had uh, a teacher who has been condescending or anything like that. I could see you as a teacher. You'd be fantastic. <laughs> I was a college professor. I spent seven or eight years teaching. This is my time to be a student, which is so wonderful. <laughs> is it more fun? Oh, gosh, I, mean, I loved being a teacher. I didn't get tenure, and that's why I left that, because I loved it. I planned to do it until I died. But really, at this stage in my life, it is so wonderful to be taught. And I am so appreciative of my teachers because I see how hard they try to help people develop and how delighted they are when people develop. So unlike a lot of young students who don't really appreciate their teachers, at my age, I'm just so grateful and so appreciative. 
And how would you like to see improv and then also your career in improv evolve? I would like to see improv have more long form improv that's sort of serious. I love the plays that Synergy does. I love the companies that are doing genre improv and Shakespeare inspired improv. And I also like it when improv looks at subjects that are not funny. I've taken classes with Imbal Lori, who is based in Berlin, and she teaches classes called Dark and Uncomfortable Scenes that can have to do with um, things like racism, sexism, poverty, disability. And she teaches you how to do it in a way that is very true to the subject and to the people in the subject. So you're seeing even evil characters as three-dimensional, but also has humor. So I, I love that and I would love to see improv do more things like that because I think that theater as a whole is a wonderful art to open people's minds to the experiences of people that are not like themselves. Wonderful. Hey, Akeen, are you there? Hello. 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 Hey. Hey. Louise, you didn't tell me he was handsome. <laughs> Akeen, it's very nice to meet you. I'm Sarah. I'm a big fan of Louise and also of And Sarah has taught me too. What? And yeah, yeah. we've been in class together. I've had the honor and Louise is fantastic as I'm sure that you also know. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here, Akeen. Yeah. I have some questions for you. Is it okay if we just dive in? Sure. Okay, great. How did you get from where you were before working in theater to where you are now? Well, I I got into theater in college. I took, I think the first class was an acting class. It was a, a long form improv and then at, at an acting class. I did, I did a little bit more um, dabbling around with some theater classes after that and then switched majors to theater with a focus on uh, technical theater. What was your major before you switched <clears throat> to technical theater? It was psychology. Oh, okay. What about psychology appealed to you? And then what was that moment that made you switch? That's a major switch. <laughs> Growing up in, in school, I was, a, I was really focused on the science and math fields. I Psychology appealed to me. It, it, there's also like the, the, the struggle of just like figuring out what I want to focus in on in college. And yeah, there's a, when it came to changing majors, that was a big struggle, big moment, I think. I, I was in a Shakespeare play at school, Midsummer Night's Dream. And so that, and that was such a, it was a very, like many schools, and I got to do like a, here's a straightforward <laughs> Shakespeare show. It's going to be, there's like circus elements uh, with like silk and acrobatic type stuff. And so that was, I think, a, a lot of fun and seeing that and getting a sense of like, backstage and and the experience and how a bit of how it comes together was neat and yeah i think yeah and then and then i just made the decision to switch and then had to fit in the entire major into roughly two-ish years oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> yeah have you always liked to craft things to build things or um, work work with electronics or was that always appealing to you i feel like i was a more of a uh, take well take a parter probably because it took more thought to put something to, to make something up I, I get notoriously slow at creating when especially when I was young was like writing was the bane of my existence the the, the empty blank page and all that 
it probably helps that in theater design, at least, or in theater in general, because it's collaborative, especially with improv, but with like all elements of theater, that you're not coming, you're usually not coming to the table with a completely blank page, even if you're devising something like there's somebody else there with you usually. So I think that helps a, a lot. Your mom's pursuits creatively had to influence you. And when you made that change, Louise, where were you in your creative pursuits? I was just getting into theater. So I think when he became a theater major, that was your junior year, I was just really getting on stage. So I was really excited about, you know, little parts. And I was in this troupe that I'm actually still in, even though it's in Florida, where we did uh, sort of cabaret types of things, sketch types of things. And so we were sort of in parallel, but he went off on the tech side and I have no ability in tech. I do not think that way at all. He was always the person who was looking around, trying to figure out how things work and getting angry when you know older people like his parents had no clue and really didn't care. Yeah. And I never saw, when I looked at theater, I never saw the tech part. It went right by me. But when we would go to shows, and you know, he's been going to Broadway shows since he was a kid, he would be asking things like, how is the helicopter coming down in Miss Saigon? And I would be all in the magic of this, and it wouldn't even dawn on me that there's a helicopter, a real helicopter on stage. <laughs> I saw him laughing when you were talking about your uh, lack of prowess with uh, yeah. technical items. Well, he's, I didn't even know that the lights and theaters had to be changed. And when he showed me that, I was like, you mean you go all the way up there? And I was sorry I had to find out about, about that kind of stuff. You know, so I, I tell you, I really now appreciate tech people because I've heard how hard they work even after the actors go home. They are still there doing important things. I avoided sending a bunch of pictures of, of vertigo-inducing ladder shots. So, <laughs> so Akeen, it sounds like you do it all. I, I, I've done a decent bit. I will say I, I've done very little like scenic painting or I, I'm currently learning a lot about audio. What I think is really neat too is, especially at uh, the regional theater where I was working, seeing folks who, you know, who are a designer coming in, who's like hopping around the country doing things, but are also still putting their hands on lights and focusing things sometimes. So I feel like it's it's always neat to see that folks are, are always sort of connected to the building blocks uh, of everything, no matter what level they're at. So Akeen, can you speak to how you have witnessed Louise's pursuit of theater and improv, how that has affected her? I think the word release is coming to mind, like a freedom found, especially with improv, but even with acting of just like full hearted embracing of the energy in, in theater. And I know from my own slight foray into acting that is something that it would be a huge challenge for me to do just be like oh just jump like i i mean i can like get into it a little bit and i'll do some games or whatever but i i feel like my mom was really like fully dived in and found this great way to play in, in multiple senses of, of the word i just could keep going back to the words of like this openness and freedom and stuff versus like not 
saying my mom has been rigid, but they're still like a. I was much more rigid. That was true. I didn't know how to play. (laughs) I really didn't know how to play. And I've learned through theater how to play, how to trust myself more, how to be more open. And part of that also is that the theater community in general, people are much more open than they are in other parts of society. I was in the Navy. I was a Navy psychologist and Navy officer. People are really rigid, you know, in that. (laughs) And to be in discipline and art in which people really are open. The the best people in theater, the best people in improv are very open people. And they have to be willing to be vulnerable. And I had to learn how to Mm. do that. Mm-hmm. That's huge, yeah. <laughs> what, Louise, would you say has, how has Akeen's switch from psychology to working in the theater behind the scenes, how does that affect him that you've seen? I know that one of the things that Akeen really loves, and he always blossomed under, was helping and supporting other people. For him to be, now he's technical director of a theater in Virginia, to be able to put his ideas and work with people and to think of what can I do to support the actors? What can I do to support the director and their vision? I mean, it's wonderful, as is having a time limit, because if you don't give him a time limit, he'll still be doing the same thing for 10 years, because like many artists, he is never satisfied with what he does. <laughs> so he's a bit of a perfectionist. Wow, yeah. called yeah. out. Yeah, but that's true. But again, it's the way many artists and creative people are because people who are, who care about what they're doing and who are very creative tend not to be satisfied with their doing and to, to have a vision that is impossible to achieve. I was going to say, I I could put some, in some, uh, less embarrassing language for me and say that also constraints not just time but constraints in general whether design constraints budget constraints the constraints that you voluntarily put on your work whether it's a long-form improv that's set in a theme or whatever i think it's easy to forget that like that really can spark creativity because once you had to find your whole story your whole piece within that container that you've made or you found yourself in is where you can find some of the sort of best solutions so that's i mean that's another great thing about theater and what it can sort of bring out of people i would have just insert something else he's in an unusual position in theater and that he got his job last march right as quarantine began it continued because the theater where he is like synergy also has done a lot of things online so so he came to it with his lighting design and his other experience, but he's also been doing things online, including having to videotape shows that also are done in person and have to figure out how to do the lighting that works for video and that also works for a live audience. So as I say, there's a lot of comparison with Synergy because Synergy took advantage of the opportunity instead of saying, we'll shut down and not do anything and wait for the pandemic to be over, Synergy continued to do plays. Yeah, so we, we've been working and I, I will say there is a part of that that's sort of lucked out where it's a, I'm working in a new, a newer theater, Zyder's American Dream Theater in our building, it has two theaters in it. It was built in like 
2000 or opened in 2018 so that helped but also i know there is a lot of focus on like immediately figuring out you know, what can we do what are the things that were already scheduled have to change and and the focus of zyra's american dream theater is all about new works and helping grow and nurture new artists and being that part of the process trying to fill that that gap in the arts there is a group that was going to do had been planned during a show and digital and they needed a space to rehearse their show and record it and we're like we can give you the space we'll figure it out and i was able to do the lighting for them as they rehearsed in masks a lot of the stuff that we did at the beginning also is like oh we can help we can work with this group or we can do this thing or we can do our open mics but we can do them online and there's a lot of understanding that like we're not gonna make anything from this. I mean, it's a nonprofit. We're n never making a lot on anything, but at least we're. How can we connect with artists? And one of the things I I kept doing a lot, especially when I was we're doing these streams with singer songwriters, might have been a little aggressive in my part, but I was always in chat like, and here's this person's website, and here's where you can find them. Anything that we could do to be like, hey, remember that these folks are here. They're working hard, and if you can support them in any way, that's great. That was it. Very interesting time to get into a new job, a new position. I finally feel more settled into it. It's not a, it's not fully a traditional technical director job because we're not building sets, but it's been I don't know, it's been really neat because I finally in the fall got to do like a full lighting design and got to do in the spring a projections design. There's a one person play written and we were able to get that performed. The actor was like way upstage. We recorded it and, and then showed it on screen. All these different ways of making things work while trying to sort of wrap my brain around a new job, a new position, a new theater. But luckily, lots of great support and, and everybody both got through things and, and made art happen, so. <laughs> Louise, is there anything about Akeen's experiences that you would change if you could? I'm trying to think. Actually, no. I have to say, when he said he wanted to be a theater major, I was terrified, but I kept my mouth shut because I figured, I and mean, my mother had forced me basically into a major I didn't want. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going to do this with my kid. But Akeen could have been an engineer because he has such He's so good at math. And then his head of his theater department had said that he had the talent that he could have gone afterwards after being in the field a few years to Yale for graduate school. He, she said he had that kind of talent. And I kept thinking, well, maybe he should be doing that. But I continued to keep my mouth shut while he found his own way. And so I'm just happy with what he did and how he found his own way, because you don't see very many people, especially now, the job he has was basically created for him. He maintained it, you know, through the quarantine. They produced things like a Macbeth and socially distanced on stage, plus streaming. Things that he's been able to acquire skills and expertise that just would not have happened before. So he found his own path and there's nothing I would change about it. I love that. And Akin, is there anything about Louise's experiences in improv or theater that you would change if you could. Well, let me get my list out. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I. It's funny because probably wants to be like, gosh, it would be neat if. And this is, I think, everyone has this thought about something that they're into. Like, oh, if I could have known this would be something for me earlier, but then we wouldn't have had that 
in sync moment that we had or those that time we started around the same time. Like I don't think I would change anything, but I feel the amount that that you've just full heartedly dove in to this, that is that is more than I feel like many people who are into it now have done. You're just like in it. I think that's just that takes courage and uh, a love of the craft. <laughs> love of the craft, if you want to make it sound a little. So Louise and Akin remind me here of another mother and son relationship in the Synergy Theater family. If you listened to episode six, you may remember our conversation with Griffin about his mom, Valerie, who went to all of the Synergy Theater shows at the Lesher Center with her handheld video camera and recorded each one. The Lesher staff weren't always accommodating, however. My, how things have changed. I saw Valerie last night inside the Vukasin Theater with not one, but two cameras. And I went over to have a chat just before the show began. And oh, by the way, the show is Spontaneous Shakespeare. Synergy Theater's new season of in-person shows includes Spontaneous Hitchcock, Charles Dickens, and Improvisers in Space. If you live in the Bay Area and you'd like to join Valerie and I in the audience, you can go to SynergyTheater.com and click on performances. So this is what I used to record with. Okay, so that's the one that we got. You got caught with that one. Time. Of course. This is a, you when know. the when the lecture person came out and said, yeah. "What are you doing?" This is it. That's this the was one. the one. But and now, but now you have this. I have this, which they said is great for concerts and because it has a very wild field of uh, vision. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to capture the entire stage. This one is going to be a fixed camera. Okay. Um, but you know, Ken said, you know, I have to work around the audience. So okay. I was down there and then I kept moving back and back mm-hmm. and back. So I'm going to try to stay up here. This one is going to be fixed. This one I'm going to run around and take pictures. Okay. And you have a, now you have a badge. You, you <laughs> the, the Lesher Center has given you a badge. Well, I, Ken extended this invitation to me before COVID, saying, "Yeah, you, you can have free, you know, free shows if you want to come." So I had to get to the backstage security area, uh-huh. show my ID and my vaccination card, and they let me in. And I was the first one in. <laughs> I was here at seven o'clock. And nice. I'm like, Woo! <laughs> Like the crazy mom running around taking pictures, like, I'm backstage. And then they all came out, you know, the whole crew, and they're like, oh, you're <laughs> she's here. I was here before them. So now, I, you know, that was a weird kind of awkward moment. They weren't expecting me. They didn't know I was going to be here before them, except maybe my son, Griffin. Because uh, I kept saying, can I get there? Can I get there at 7? I'm like, yeah, sure, you have to do this. Um, so I've just been here. And, yeah. <laughs> and and now you're going to record the show. I am. And I'm going to send everything. I'm going to upload it all to YouTube. And then Griffin takes it from me and he does his magic. What's it like for you to be back? It's so good. It, there's nothing like, you know, connecting and saying hi to everyone. And, you know, the, the online presence was great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that just being here, the excitement, even just parking in the garage, you know, the energy. <laughs> And it's just all a build-up to the show. Yeah. How was Griffin feeling about tonight? He looks fine. He said Shakespeare's kind of hard because, you know, he normally doesn't speak Shakespeare like Ken does. But they were just rehearsing, and um, they all sounded great. So I got to say, they're going to they're gonna knock it down. They're going to crush it. And <laughs> I'm going to get it all on video. Yes, you and... are. One of the things I really love is that, you know, we're in the same field. Aki is one of my favorite people to critique me. So I love it when he looks at my work and gives me really good feedback. I mean, it's not, he doesn't give empty praise. He doesn't give criticism without giving suggestions. So he's really good at providing feedback. He also has been really supportive because since he sees professional actors working, he's able to tell me things that I didn't know that they, they come in and they work, I guess, eight hours a day for several weeks, and, which is really different than if you're doing community theater. So I'd always be concerned. I'm having trouble with my lines. I'm getting ready to be on stage. I don't know my lines. And he would say, well, a lot of professional actors, they even have that kind of problem. So he's been very, very supportive in that kind of way. And including with my whole tech setup, because I had a lot of problems with my lighting, with my computer, with how to do all these things. And he, he could tell me what to buy. And that's made a big difference. Because again, I am not a tech person at all. It scares me. I have no natural ability in that kind of thing. So I turn to him and I get help. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's why you look so good. It's all <laughs> Yes, yes. I'm using what he advised me to use. <laughs> and yet I'm the one sitting in the dark cave. <laughs> because you are not usually like, on stage. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Have you ever improvised together? The closest we did was before either one of us got into improv. And we didn't know it was improv games we were doing. We were co-facilitators in a program called Help Increase the Peace, which is a youth leadership program that teaches conflict mediation. And when you teach things, you teach them in a fun way. And in between doing the teaching part, there would be games. Well, we found out later that those were improv theater games, but we didn't know that for another, I guess, six years or so until we got into theater. We have, by the way, been on stage together too, which was really funny because the troupe I was in in Tallahassee, he was going to be doing the lights for their show and during what we call their Hell Week, which, what is it called in regular theater? Uh, tech Week. Yeah, what regular theater calls tech, tech Week, what we week. call it's... Hell Week. He, after he was in AmeriCorps for the year after high school, he would come over because we were sharing a car and he was going to do the lights, help with the lights for them. Well, they needed more people in a couple of sketches. So they're like, you, get on stage. So he got to be in, on stage. He also, when I was taking dance classes, I was taking musical theater dance class and we were doing the Cinderella ball. And this was like in freshman year in college. I said, oh, my son is in town and 
he's taking ballroom dancing. And and I was dancing with the instructor because there's always there's more women than guys. Yeah. And Akin came in at the last minute, learned the whole thing, and was my partner. So that, that was, was a waltz, right? I think it's a waltz. Yeah, it was the Cinderella yeah. waltz. Okay. I always invite our guests to play a game. Oh, cool. I often have a game in mind, but Louise, you tell us, is there an improv game that you and Akeen would like to play? Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, you see there... me sweat. Akeen, can you think of any improv games you would like to play? I'm trying to think. I, I, mm, I can't think of a... There's the word at a There's time a... story. Oh, that would be fine. You've been cool with that. Let's do uh, word at a time. And because we are down to about four minutes, I'm going to say a heartfelt thanks to you both for taking the time. This was amazing. We're going to have to do this again. And now I'm going to shut up because you have four minutes to do a word at a time story. Louise Ritchie, Akeen Ritchie, thank you so much. The floor is yours. Once. There. Was. A. Small boy who was terrified of ice, but he decided to try everything except blue ice because he always thought that blue ice looked like ghosts so he decided to throw a party in his local barbershop but there was no ice left <laughs> except blue ice <laughs> The boy ran into a blue ice castle and found the place of happiness. Hooray! The end. <laughs> the All end. my linky words, I'm sorry. <laughs> That was amazing. In the minute 20 seconds we have left, is there anything you guys want to say? I just want to say that Aki works for the Ziders American Dream Theater in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I live in Ajijic, Mexico, which is near Guadalajara. So we don't get to see each other very much, and we haven't seen each other in person for more than a year. So it's really nice to see him tonight on Zoom. It's really nice to see you tonight on Zoom too, Sarah. I have, so thank I you have for missed... inviting us. I, yes, of course, and thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> this has been fun. Bye. 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 And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. 
Thank you.